aggravation. Oh, no, 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 no. The Joy Network. Now, Time for the weekly sports page with the dynamic David Coleman. Stay tuned for thrills, chills, and yes, spills. Oh, yeah, and a whole lot of other great stuff. Call 855-525-5683. Tweet your questions at Dynamic Sports PA or Facebook. Drop a line on Dynamic Weekly Sports Show. Sit back, relax, and groove while Dynamic drops sports in your ear. Nebraska wins the game on the final play of the contest. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We in the house tonight. <laughs> What's happening? What's happening? Dynamic Dave in the house this morning. 855-525-5683 is the number. That's how you get in touch with if you want to join the show. We're going to kick it off a little Marvin Gaye this morning. It's been a tough week for me. Got some more bad news from another friend last night, but we're going to power through this. You know, I cried a lot yesterday morning. I think I've all cried out. But we're going to dedicate this show to two very dear friends of mine. Melvin Little Turk Munts and Richard Donut Richardson. Lost both of them in the last two days. It's rough on the brothers. rough on the family. Because we all were family. So let me just kick it off like this. Yeah, we're doing a weekly sports magazine today. I promise I'm not going to cry today. I'm just not. Yeah, what's going on? Marvin Gaye will be our guest artist today. In fact, the album, What's Going On. That's how we're going to do it this morning. Been a tough couple of days for me. 
Uh, tell you what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to give you stories of my friend Richard Richardson. Great Razorback, great Little Rock Central Tiger, great teammate, great friend, great brother, great father. So this first hour, is gonna, we're going to talk a little bit about my friends. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be personal. It, it, it ain't really about me, but I got I to gotta get this out. And then late last night, we got word that another friend of ours, Lil Turk, the brother of another dear friend of mine, passed away last night. So I'm going to give you a few stories, stories about Lil Turk this morning as well. Hmm. It's been a tough couple of days for my circle. So... We're going to talk sports today as well. Talk a lot of stuff today. You know, we're going to ask the question about, you know, all the people complaining that they had to cancel college basketball, marriage madness, and all of the officials complaining about the money that they're losing. If you thought that players shouldn't be paid, the coronavirus has taught us one thing about college sports and money. It's presented to us prima facie evidence and why these young kids should be paid. We're going to talk about that today as well. We're also going to talk about Mike Leach. Arkansas should be breathing a, a, a sigh of relief that they didn't hire that bigot. And Mississippi State is in trouble because I'm going to be honest with you, there's no way I'm sending my child to play for a racist. And I'm going to tell you why the apology that he, that he submitted it's balderdash. So that's what's on the agenda today. It's called the Weekly Sports Magazine. Uh, I typically start the show off and I speak to everybody. And I didn't do it today because uh, there's just so much more important things going on right now. And those are things about my friend. But you can call me up if you've got some stories about Lil Turk or, or, or Richard Richardson. If you're out there listening and you want to... Uh, you know, say, hey, Dave, I got a quick story about Donut. I got a quick story about Turk. Uh, I'm opening up the lines for you to do this this morning. And I do apologize for my friends who listen around the country. You know, maybe these names don't mean anything to you, but these were dear, dear people that played an intricate role in my life and the lives of a lot of other people. So, yeah, we're going to talk about them today. Okay? And I promise you, I'm going to try to keep from crying. I th I'm hoping I'm all cried out. But it's been a tough week. It's been a tough week. In fact, it's been a tough couple of days. Now that we get more news about Lil Turk. It's been tough. All right, so let's do this. Let's take a break. I'm going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to get into some conversations about these two guys. And if, by the way, if you, I just posted another picture. It was a drawing that was made by a classmate of ours. I'm going to give you some details of that picture coming up when we get back so you can get an idea. And that, that picture is a, it is basically a depiction 
of me and Richard, our senior year at Little Rock Central, one of the most dynamic years of my life. And to have my buddy, Richard Richardson, beside me, it was just simply fantastic. It really was. So we'll talk about all of that here in just a moment. Then we're gonna give you a little love. We're gonna give little Turk some love this morning, man. I know my I know my friend Kenneth Muntz is hurting because see he knew Richard too. He lived right a he what a block and a half away from Richard. Hmm. Wow, this is crazy. The church that I went to was two blocks up from where Richard lived, Bullock Temple, right there on the corner of Little Rock Central, 16th and Park. Anyway, I'll be back in a moment. We'll get into all of that. You're talking, you're listening to the Weekly Sports Magazine. I'm Dynamic Dave, and we dropping some love for some friends this morning. Lil Turk and Donut. God, it's another one like the other one. Work with it now. Work with home it. Home will still always be home concert. Saturday, April 18th at the Duvall's Bluff High School. Come witness Revive, Lady Kimbria Summons and the Girls, and Bishop Kenneth Robinson with Chosen. Come on, Chosen. May you hear me, Jesus. That old drive time live, Deacon Robert Craig doing it again. With the cheerful rights and dad in the Delta Jubilee. The doors open at 5. The service begins at 6. Admission is just $10 and children under 12, $5. Saturday, April 18th, home will still always be home. Hello to quality time at Marco's. Hello to being a game changer and original. And to those who make it authentic, we say hello with the Founder Select Pizza, Old World Pepperoni, sliced Italian sausage, mushrooms, on dough made fresh every day, and a sauce from the original Giamarco recipe. Hello to an old world original. Every store, every day, the Italian way. Hello, Primo. Did you know that 9 out of 10 people like chocolate? And the 10th person always lies. If you're that 10th person, guess what? We've got the special place for you. It's Coco Bell Chocolates. Coco Bell's handcrafted artisan products inspired by southern desserts for a nostalgic taste. For yourself or for the perfect gift, give us a call at 501-943-7570. That's Coco Bell Chocolates. Find out more about our direct services and ordering at CocoBellChocolates.com. Hey, have you heard of COVID-19? Yeah, but I heard black people can't get it, so I'm good. Well, that's absolutely not true. And everyone is at risk of getting and spreading COVID-19. I'm curious, what else have you heard? I'm almost embarrassed to say, but I hear if you spray bleach all over your body, you can kill the viruses that have already entered your body. Wow, that's also not true. Truth is, there's no way to kill the virus because there's currently no cure. What you can do is take preventative measures and wash your hands regularly. Practice social distancing, stay home if you're sick, and clean and disinfect frequently touched surfaces. Noted. One more thing. So if I get the flu shot, that won't stop me from getting COVID-19? Correct. Flu shot can protect you from the flu. If you do begin to develop symptoms of COVID-19 like fever, dry cough, shortness of breath, call your doctor and find out if you should get tested. For more ways on how you can protect yourself and your family from COVID-19, visit ARMinorityHealth.com. Arkansas Minority Health Commission. Your health, our priority. 
Hey folks, are you looking for a place to exchange ideas and talk about the issues that affect our community? Then join me, David W. Coleman, and my co-host, Robert Webb, for Black Focus Radio every Monday through Friday, noon to 2 p.m. on joinedradio.com. We like to say, it's our issues, our solutions, our voices. Download the latest podcast on your favorite platform. Also catch us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. That's Black Focus Radio. Our issues, our solutions, our voices on joinedradio.com. All right, welcome back to the Weekly Sports Magazine. I'm Dynamic Dave. Jamming Marvin Gaye, the album, What's Going On, all morning long. You know, we play the best old school bumper music in the universe. And I just thought that, you know, if there was one album that I needed to, you know, there are times when I'm going through some tough times. There are two albums I play. One of them is Lonnie Liston Smith. The name of it is Rejuvenation. You should try it, man. It's, it's so... I mean, the album the album name speaks for itself, Rejuvenation. And then the other one is Marvin Gaye, What's Going On? And I thought this one would certainly be appropriate for my two friends, Melvin Little Turk Muntz and Richard Donut Richardson. We all came up in that same era, man. I can see Little Turk with his little smooth walk, that little smile on his face. <laughs> Yeah, y'all remember Lil Turk? He was so cool, man. I always thought Lil Turk was just so cool, man. He was a brother of my dear friend Kenneth Muntz, and how I got to know Lil Turk because me and Kenneth Muntz was in, you know, we were in Troop 450. We were Boy Scouts growing up. We were proud Boy Scouts. And me, Sam, Dwayne, all of us. <laughs> we used to tease Lil Turk all the time. You see him everywhere, see him out as we grew Got news last night that little Turk had passed with a heart attack. Another gut punch, man. So I just needed to take, you know, doing this show is good therapy for me. And to be able to talk about my friends and dedicate some time to them is good therapy for me because I've been crying a lot. It's been tough. It's been a tough week. What's Going On was one of Turk's favorite albums. Man. It's been a tough week. I mean, I'm sitting here kind of Reminiscent of all we used to, how we used to make fun of Little Turk, man. Why they call you Little Turk, man? Does that mean turkey? <laughs> and he'd always have something smart to come back at us with, man. <laughs> what's going on? 
Wow. Just imagine little 12, 13-year-old boys um, making fun of uh, little Turk. That's what we did, man. He was a brother of a friend of mine. So if you were the brother of someone I knew, you were my friend. He was the brother of a dear friend of mine, Kenneth Muntz. Then you had all those Boy Scouts. We had a great childhood, man. To show you how close this circle is, Richard lived on 16th Street, right across, right across the street from um, Quigley Stadium. About a block up the road, there was Kenneth Muntz on about 16th and Denison. He and Little Turk. And then about another block up the road, there was Bullock Temple CME Church on the corner of 16th and Park where I attended church where we recently lost our beloved Miss Othello Faison and where our Boy Scout troop, Troop 450, at the time, the largest blacks troop in the state of Arkansas and the most dynamic. And both Kenneth Muntz, myself, of course, the Hudson, Sam Dwayne. I mean, the whole neighborhood literally was in that Boy Scout troop. Now, Donut wasn't. But we all were still friends. <sighs> yeah, little Turk, we gonna miss you, man. So I just want to take a few minutes out to throw some love at my friend Kenneth Muntz for losing his brother Turk, a friend of mine, because they were good people. So I want to I want to take a little more time to talk specifically about my friend Richard Richardson and and my teammate Richard Richardson. So I'm going to talk a little bit. If you haven't seen the picture that I posted earlier, in fact, I posted it in my story so many of you all can see it. And I, I've got, I got so many stories about Richard. I got so many stories. And as, as I thought about it, I couldn't believe how much Richard was involved in my success. So I'm going to talk about that. Because Richard played in a very intricate role in me being the successful athlete that I was. Because, you know, everybody knows Richard could play. And if Richard felt like you could play, then that gave you confidence. And I'm going to share a story of Richard when he gave me, and I don't know if he was doing it on purpose or not. But when I realized I could play was when Richard did something that gave me confidence. I love you too, Ken. The picture you saw, I promise you, I'm, I'm going to get through this this morning. I'm not going to cry. The 
The picture you saw this morning that I posted is a drawing of two images of tigers. Let me let me look at it. It it was it's <laughs> it is it is <laughs> it is a fantastic drawing, if I may say so myself. I didn't draw it. A mutual friend of ours by the name of Cha Cha. His name was James Henderson. Drew this picture. Okay. James Henderson. And the picture depicts number 54, which was Donut Richardson's number. Walking with a knife and a scalp. <laughs> wonderful picture. And then the other football player, both of them are Tigers, but they are dressed in football garb. One number 54 and the other number 80, which was me. And I've got the foot of our vanquished opponent, at that time, the Warriors. I've got it wrapped in a rag and I'm dragging the foot of the Warrior. That was the picture of me and Donut that represented me and Donut. Now, I'm going to be totally honest with you. Donut was a much better player than I was. But the respect Donut gave me helped me to be the player that I was. And the respect our student body, because Cha-Cha, if y'all remember Cha-Cha, Cha-Cha was a fantastic artist. James Henderson, oh my God. I mean, that boy could draw. I remember Homecoming. They drew images of every starting defensive player and it was pouring down rain homecoming. And they drew images of us and put it on a banner. Cha-Cha did that. But Cha-Cha would do a drawing for every game. And this was the drawing for Turkey Day. Every year back in the day when football was real in Arkansas, it was Turkey Day. People came from miles around to see Little Rock Central play Little Rock Hall. And most times, most years, that game determined who would win the state. Ours was no different. We were fired up that game. But this drawing brought back so many memories of that day, the preparation, you know, being able to play in what, was such an iconic football game was amazing. Now, I know some of you all don't understand this if you don't live in this area. But imagine this being the biggest game in your state and, by the way, the only game in your state. And there's standing room only. That's what this image represents, me and Donut. But let me tell you how that 
how we ended up here. Because right here in this picture, we are undefeated. We win that game. We are state champions. I got so many stories of Donut. So coming into the, the, the fall, two a days that started, we all felt like we had a pretty good football team, high school team. We all felt like we were going to take care of business. But again, I played a little bit my junior year, but this is my first year starting. I felt like I was good. I didn't know that the coaches felt like I was good. Especially to be holding down that position of outside linebacker, which was determined a defensive end and a 5-2 defensive set. I can tell you every starter on that team. Bobby Rutley, defensive tackle. Donut Richardson, nose guard. James McCraney alternating with Lance Allworth, left tackle. David Coleman, left defensive end. Charles Barfield, right defensive end. Floyd Smith, cornerback, right corner, left corner. My boy, number 90, Keith Curry, safety. Bruce McDaniel, and the other safety was Joe Cook. Oh, it's so fresh on my mind. Coming into that season, we did not, we felt like we were going to be good. And by the way, we had an all-black defense at one point in the season. That made us even prouder to be all-black, undefeated, playing for the, the vaulted Little Rock Central Tigers. That made us so wonderful. And I remember going to college and playing uh, uh, an opponent, playing with an opponent. Tim Akins, as you all know, grew up in this area, great athlete and pitcher in his own right. We'd be sitting in college at SAU and he'd say, man, y'all don't know how intimidating y'all were. To be looking across that line in those black jerseys, y'all wore those black jerseys with those gold numbers and those black helmets and see nothing but all black faces. He said a lot of times we were really intimidated by you guys. But going into that fall, we were practicing. And Coach Isom, who was the defensive coach, we lined up on in defense in the huddle, and he pulled Donut out to the front to call signals. Then he walked away. Uh, if I remember correctly, he was going to set up a play. Donut looked at me. He says, D.C., excuse this vernacular. D.C., get your ass over here, man. I ain't calling no damn signals. You can do it. Get over here. So Donut gets back into the huddle. I turn around and get ready to call the signals for Coach Isom. 
Coach Isom looks up because he didn't hear the conversation and sees me as opposed to Donut. Says, what y'all doing? Donut looks at Coach Isom. DC can do it. And that's how I ended up being the signal caller for that team this year. But it did a lot more for me than just being able to lead, help lead that defense. It gave me confidence. It was Donut Richardson who felt that I was strong enough. Although I was a little bitty cat, I was only 175 pounds playing defense man. But it was Donut Richardson who, who said in that practice leading up to our senior year that D.C. can do it. That's what he called me. Back then, just about everybody called me D.C. Uh, if, if you, the show Dynamic Dave Coleman, the, uh, back, back then I was called Dynamite. <laughs> that was my nickname. I don't know where it came from. That banner that I talked about that Cha-Cha drew for homecoming, my, my boy Paul Brown is actually who played for Northeast, who played us for homecoming. He's online. You remember that game, Paul, where it was, it was raining? We shut down boom, boom. <laughs> Number seven, one of the best athletes in the state at that time. We called him boom, boom. Steve Arnold. I think he had minus seven yards that night. We had a heck of a defense, man. Led by Donut Richardson. But Donut gave me confidence in that practice going into the season by simply saying, DC, you can do this. You're the signal caller. You know what the hell's going on. And if you knew that you had Donut behind you, if Donut believed that you could play, you're going to play your butt off, man. You know, I, I, I've got so many stories about Richard. You know, see, Richard and I went to Southwest together and, so, and played. Uh, that was middle school football. A lot of people don't realize Richard was the fullback for that team. He was the fullback for that team. Check this out. Richard was the fullback. <laughs> And I played offensive line at 100 and about 50 pounds. <laughs> and Richard used to always chase me, man. Richard and I were all, we had all, we always had a unique relationship. At Southwest, every day that, every day we would come out for lunch. You know, you get to eat lunch and then you, you after they give you, you know, we gup down the lunch because I think they gave you like 30 minutes for lunch. So you run in there, get your food, and then for the rest of the lunch, you could go outside and play. So I would always tease Richard, man. For Richard, for his size, Richard was always a big guy. But for his size, Richard could move. I'm going to tell you, that brother could, I mean, for his size, Rich could run. So in the seventh grade at Southwest, one of the things that we always did was I'd walk up behind him and I'd slap him upside the head. DC, I'm going to get you, man. I'm going to get you. you, 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 you. And you all know Richard. Y'all know how he talks, right? <laughs> and 
and the chase is on. And we running in the front of Southwest. And I'd be saying, Richard, you can't catch me, man. I'm too fast for you. And But I'm going to tell you, he would always try. He would always try. And I'd slow down a little bit and let him catch up with me, and then I'd take off. And then I'd do a little juke. Richard, man, you can't catch me. And we do that probably three or four times during lunch. And you could always know when Richard wasn't, if Richard was in a bad mood, if I walked up to him and hit him upside the head and he didn't chase me, I knew something was going on with Richard. He said, man, leave me alone, man. I don't feel like playing with you today. Oh, what's up, Big Rich? What's up, man? And then every now and then he'd give in and give a chase. Man, I got so much, so many memories of Richard. I'm going to tell you, man. This guy was a good guy. The other picture that I posted, it was a turkey day. We win turkey day. And, in fact, and actually, there are some other pictures that are deep down in my wall of turkey day. where There's one where Rodney almost broke a... A, a, a punt return for a touchdown. Donuts blocking, I'm blocking. I, that, that picture's there. I didn't post that, but it's, it's deep down in my Facebook archives. I saw that this morning. But the other picture that I posted the other day of me and Donut, we are beating Hall right now 17-0. We ended up winning that game 17-14. And for some reason, it seemed to us during that game that the officials – was trying to give Hall this game. <laughs> it just there were just some peculiar calls. There were some peculiar calls in that game. So the picture of you see me holding my hands up like someone had scored a touchdown, and and I'm number eighty, and then you see Richard with his back turned to the camera, walking, but you can clearly see the picture shows Richard is saying something. He's saying something. Do y'all know what Richard is saying? It wasn't nice. <laughs> it wasn't nice. Richard was going in on the officials because clearly those officials We're trying to give the game away. And I'm going to tell you, there were some very coarse words being uttered by both Richard and myself <laughs> that I can't repeat on the air. But I can tell you to play. I can tell you to play. So... Hall had the ball. They were on about our 25-yard line. And they were trying to run on us. Their running back was Brian Sally. There's a great picture that I have where I kind of upended Brian Sally. Don't run at me. But they jumped off sides. We jumped off sides, ran in, tackled the quarterback for a loss. They claimed that it was not illegal motion and penalized us five yards that helped the drive 
stay alive, and I believe that made it 14-17. So Richard, myself, and others were tacitly cussing out the officials in a nice kind of way. <laughs> we go on to win that game. We take the bell back, and, of course, we're state champions. But there's more to this story because, see, Richard – Richard knew so much about Little Rock Central football. Richard would go over to Little Rock Central. You know, when we were in the seventh grade, I had no idea that Richard, you know, part of the reason Richard was so good, hell, he was going over to Central in the sixth and seventh grade because he lived right across the street. All the coaches knew Richard before Richard even got to high school. You see what I'm saying? I mean, he would go over when he was young and literally go into the film room and watch film of the older players. He'd go over there when the coaches would show up. Richard, when they'd open that side gate, Richard would go in. I mean, he lived right across the street. And so he'd go in and guess what? He'd go in the coach's office. Coach Cox would bring donuts. And, of course, Richard would eat the donuts. And according to Coach Horton, that's why he ended up being called Donut. Because, see, when he, went, he and I were together in the seventh grade, hell, I called him Richard. I didn't know anything about no donut. And then later on, we started playing basketball over at Little Rock Central, and the name Donut came out, and that's where it kind of stuck. But it was Coach Clyde Horton who actually gave him that name, Donut. <laughs> and it stayed with him. Everybody know him. Everybody, look, you don't even have to call Richard's name. You know Donut, man? Everybody knew Donut. Everybody knew Donut. But, see, I'm happy because I knew Donut the way a lot of you all didn't know Donut. But see, the great thing about Donut, all of us who knew him, we all have a different personal relationship with him. It's not small. I was talking to a friend yesterday, and she was telling me how Donut used to tease her. A friend of mine who played college football with me, Derek Goodman, who was a roommate, who was my roommate. Now let me tell you about Derek Goodman. Derek Goodman played nose guard. I didn't know this until Derek told me this yesterday. Derek Goodman was about 5'7", and he may have weighed 150, 75 pounds. But Derek Goodman was a bulldog at nose guard. And he said, he told me yesterday this story about Donut and his mom. Somehow or another, there was a relationship there. Donut, his mom, was cooking a big pot of chitlins that day. And Derek, them, Derek and his brothers thinking, oh, we're getting ready to eat. <laughs> Great story. So his mom, Derek's mom, wouldn't give Derek and his brother any of these chitlins. And the reason why was because Richard Richardson Donut was coming to the house.
And she wanted to make sure that Donut and his friend had enough food to eat. We chuckled about that. And the funny thing about it is that Derek said, Donut is the reason I played nose guard. And now if you know Derek, Derek doesn't run well. So really the only position that he really could have played in football was nose guard. Man, Derek had us a big heart as I think about him. And he called me yesterday because a lot of people knew I was upset. And he told me that story. My friend Tina, she calls me and tells me the story of, you know, just recently how Donut would send her messages periodically. She told me about a message he sent her, sent her in February. You that Pine Street girl. <laughs> Another one told me yesterday about how Donut, she and Donut worked together, and Donut told her that he, he, she was having problems with her health, and uh, no, Donut, Donut noticed something about her legs, and Don, Donut told her, hey, you need to go get your triglycerides checked. No, I Donut talk. You need to go get your triglycerides checked. And she did, sure enough. Dona was right. Oh, man, so many people have been telling me these wonderful stories about Donut. You know, it's, it's tough that he's gone. I know when I would come back periodically, because, you know, I moved away and I was gone for almost 35 years. And periodically I would come back and, you know, I remember when I first came back and went to Central and bumped into Donut. Because, you know, if you went into Quigley Stadium and you didn't bump into Donut, it just wasn't right. At least that's how I felt. Because that stadium needs to be it's literally Richard Richardson Stadium. I remember when I first came back, he says, D.C., it ain't like it was when we were out there, man. They suck. This is when Central was going through some tough times. But periodically, I would come over. I would always sin. To be totally honest, my trip to Little Rock sometimes was not even complete if I didn't see Big Doe. Somewhere. Hey, what's up, Big Doe? 2018, had the pleasure of having him over for Thanksgiving dinner. We sat there and reminisced and talked about who's who, who's where, who's married to who, all that other stuff. And, of course, that's where I learned that Donut had had a problem with drinking and he wouldn't touch a drop. And he said, man, I'm recovering, I'll need it. And I applauded him, I said, hey, way to go, bro. Anything help, anything you need, any help you need, let me know. Donut was good people, man. Donut was loved by a lot of people. See, you Razorback fans 
who later got to know Donut number 67 as an Arkansas Razorback. If you notice, Greg Thomas has weighed in. Razorbacks all over the country are raising it, weighing in who played with Donut because if you knew Donut, Donut was tough as nails. And you would think that his image, man, he would be mean or he would be a bully. But, man, once Donut locked you, you were in with Donut. Now, the thing is, just don't cross him because once he out with you, he out with you. But, man, Donut loved everybody, man. He, Donut was a teacher. He was a leader. He was a damn good brother. But here, here is the great thing about Donut. And here's what I tell people all the time because I know a lot of my friends are hurting. I know a lot of people are listening to the show this morning. I, I know you are in pain. You, you know, I'm in pain. Man, I cried a lot yesterday. I didn't sleep yesterday. I, I didn't sleep yesterday. Well, Thursday night, Friday morning, I cried. Because to some extent, seeing Donut, the passing of Donut, that, that's, that's pointing to my mortality. I turn 59 next month, May 13th, God willing. Man, Donut was only 60. Only 60. So I cried a lot yesterday. It was tough doing the show, but you know what? I want to thank you all. Those of you who tune in to Black Focus Radio, I appreciate it. Because, see, this is my therapy. Those of you who are listening today to the show, you all are helping me. And I'm hoping I'm helping you because within the last two days, I've lost two dear friends, Donut Richardson and last night, Melvin Little Turk Muntz. And if you know anything about Little Rock Central around the era of 79, 80 in that area, hey, you, everybody knew Little Turk. And I love it because Little Turk was now living in California and we go back and forth on Facebook. We never lost that friendship. You know, I tell people all the time, when you are a male, most of your friends are made when you are young. Men rarely make new friends. We'll have acquaintances, but people that we love dearly, those are made in our childhood. And you're always friends. You may not see each other every day. Last time I was in Los Angeles, two years ago, I was trying to hook up with Lil Turk. Lil Turk, I'm going to be in Carson. Yeah, man, I'll let you know. I'll see if I can get by there. We never got to see each other. I haven't seen Lil Turk in, I know, 20 years. But he's still my friend. I still hurt for him. Coming off the news of Richard Richardson dying and then last night, have you heard about Lil Turk? I'm sorry. I know this is supposed to be a sports show, but I got a purge this morning. Because the majority of the people that are my friends on Facebook, if you grew up in my era, if you grew up with me, you know these people I'm talking about. And you're hurting just as bad as I'm hurting. 
So my brothers and sisters who are outside the state, please bear with me. We're going to talk more sports next hour, but I promise that I'm dedicating this entire hour to Richard Richardson, Richard Donut Richardson, and Melvin Lil Turk Munt. Lil Turk and Donut, because they were my friends. It's almost like right now in my mind I've got a dual cinema playing and I can see my interactions, some of the interactions that went on with Lil Turk and I can see some of the interactions that went on with Donut. I can see them in my mind right now as if they were yesterday. I miss them. But see, I say thanks for the memories because you'll never die. You know, I, I, you know, when I'd go out and talk to young people, and those of you all don't know, I do a, a seminar for young people called the Black Male Teenage Survival Kit. I'd love to come to your church or, or organization to do it. And one of the things that makes me so proud about doing those seminars is, you know, I, I, you hear Christians talk about living forever through Christ. And I would always tell them that, see, there's another way you can live forever. Is leave a legacy. Teach somebody something. And you know what's going to happen? That person is going to then teach his or her children what you taught them. And it continues to go down through generations. So theoretically, you will live forever. And I have no doubt that Donut Richardson will live forever. Think about all the people that he has touched. Think about all the people who are Razorback fans who love Donut. I think about Lil Turk when he posts pictures on Facebook. He's posting pictures with Ice-T and Ice Cube. And he's at all the, the fancy functions at, in Los Angeles. I'm like, Lil Turk, how do you get all them tickets? But if you knew Lil Turk, you knew Lil Turk had his way of getting what he needed. That was Lil Turk, man. <laughs> it's been a tough week. It's been a tough week. Man, what are you going to do now? Well, we're going to keep on living. We're going to keep on living because, see, Richard really isn't gone. Little Turk really isn't gone. Because I've given you just a few of the memories that I have. There are thousands. (laughs) 
I'm sitting here right now thinking I can see Donut bursting through the the offensive line of our opponents and they're running for their lives and running back runs my way and I clean his clock. Because to be totally honest, as I started off, I told you that if it wasn't for Donut, I don't know if I would have had the success that I did in sports. I felt like I was good. I had played sports a lot. But here's what Donut knew so much about what the inner workings of Little Rock Central. So we were undefeated. <clears throat> we were state champs. I didn't realize until the third game of the season how Coach Horton felt about me. Donut had gave me the confidence in making me be the signal caller, nominating me as a signal caller. Or putting me out there as a signal caller. I didn't know how the coaches felt about me. It wasn't until the third game, Catholic, we were playing Catholic, and I got injured. I can remember Donna saying, DC, you all right, man? You all right? You going to make it? I limp over to the sideline. I had been knocked out. I don't know how I ended up getting knocked out in that game. I tore my calf muscle away from my bone. Back then, Catholic was some dirty players. I'll just leave it at that. Get over to the sideline. Coach Jordan says, Coleman, you're going to make it. We got to get you back out there because you're a good one. Coach Horton I'm thinking I'm groggy. Did Coach Gordon really say that about me? <laughs> Needless to say, I didn't go back in the game and I missed the next game. So that's when I realized that, okay, Coach probably thinking I'm okay. But it wasn't until the end of the season that, and see, Donut knew this because Donut already knew. Donut was getting, Donut was the only guy, we had nine people from our team who were all state and Donut was the only one who got a letter from Arkansas. At that time, Lou Holtz didn't, he wasn't recruiting Arkansas. He kind of turned his back on Little Rock. But Donut was the only one that got a letter from our championship undefeated team from Arkansas. So, you know, even if it was Donut, all of us, Donut was in us and he, we were in Donut. So as he played for the Razorbacks, you know, we that was Donut. That was us. We watched him intently. So at the end of the season, you know, they hand out the awards. Donut comes up to me in school and says, D.C., you need to go down to the stadium. I said, well, well you know, because football season was over. It was senior you know, at that time, if you were seniors, once football season was over, you know, we had six period as sports. So unless you ran track, you basically went home. Now, I did run track, but we hadn't started track practice yet. DC, you need to go down to the stadium, man. I go down to the stadium. They don't take a picture of you. Which, what are they going to take a picture of me for, Donut? You'll see, just, just, just get your ass down to the stadium. 
Man, I remember this so well. I get down to the stadium and the Democrat Gazette lining me up to take a picture. I had made, um, what is it, All City? But it wasn't finished. Donut knew then that I had made All State. I didn't know. It wasn't until the banquet, our football banquet, when they started naming off all of the All State winners or nominees, and they called my name. And Donut was kind of sitting across from me. And he says, I told you, man, I told you. And I remember standing up and knocking over a glass of tea. That was my friend, Donut. I'm going to miss him. I know you are too. And my friend, Lil Turk, I'm going to miss him. And I know you are too. And if we haven't learned anything this week about the passing of our friends, this might be a time to reach out and just say, hi. Didn't want anything. Just checking on you. I do that a lot to a lot of my friends now. I've been doing it for quite some time, but even more so now, hey, I didn't want anything. I just, I wanted to say hi. I wanted to see how you were doing. We're going to take the top of the hour break. When we come back, we'll get into some other conversation. We'll talk a little bit about Mike Leach and why you shouldn't be sending your child to play for this bigot. Y'all have a great day. We're not done yet, but back in a moment. It's the Weekly Sports Magazine on joinedradio.com. Hey, have you heard of COVID-19? Yeah, but I heard black people can't get it, so I'm good. Well, that's absolutely not true, and everyone is at risk of getting and spreading COVID-19. I'm curious, what else have you heard? I'm almost embarrassed to say, but I hear if you spray bleach all over your body, you can kill the viruses that have already entered your body. Wow, that's also not true. Truth is, there's no way to kill the virus because there's currently no cure. What you can do is take preventative measures and wash your hands regularly, practice social distancing, Stay home if you're sick and clean and disinfect frequently touched surfaces. Noted. One more thing. So if I get the flu shot, that won't stop me from getting COVID-19? Correct. The flu shot can protect you from the flu. If you do begin to develop symptoms of COVID-19 like fever, dry cough, shortness of breath, call your doctor and find out if you should get tested. For more ways on how you can protect yourself and your family from COVID-19, visit ARMinorityHealth.com. Arkansas Minority Health Commission. Your health, our priority. Hello to quality time at Marco's. Hello to the best part of the day and to making someone else's. Say hello to late nights and to the best night ever. These are the primo moments, and they call for Italian quality pizza. Dough made from scratch every day. Sauce with a history in the making from the original Giamarco recipe. Say hello to an authentic favorite. Every store, every day, the Italian way. Hello, primo. 
Hey fans, are you looking for the best chicken wings in the city? Then look no further than Great American Wings, located at 3230 Colonel Glen Road in Little Rock. Getting ready for the big game? It's Great American Wings. Getting ready for dinner for the family? It's Great American Wings. Lunch, dinner, or snacks? It's Great American Wings. No matter the size of your group or the flavor of your wings, Great American Wings got you covered. Call today at 501-406-7134 to place your order. Are you on a tight schedule and don't have time to stop by Great American wings don't fret call us up and we'll deliver your favorite flavors right to your front door that's why we're called great american wings because we aim to please don't miss out on the best wings in the city it's great american wings located at 3230 Colonel Glen road right here in little rock open daily from 10 a.m to 9 p.m great american wings is guaranteed to offer you something that'll tickle your taste buds you've tried the rest now try the best it's great american wings you got it. England and East Little Rock's answer to your aggravation. The Joy Network. It's time for the weekly sports page with the dynamic David Coleman. Stay tuned for thrills, chills, and yes, spills. Oh, yeah, and a whole lot of other great stuff. Call 855-525-5683. Tweet your questions at Dynamic Sports PA or Facebook. Drop a line on Dynamic Weekly Sports Show. Sit back, relax, and groove while Dynamic drops sports in your ear hole. Nebraska wins the game on the final play of the contest. Yeah, what's happening? Welcome back to the second hour of the weekly sports magazine. Today's show is dedicated to Little Turk and Donut. And if you don't know those names, you don't know who that is, then you don't understand what we're going through right now. So I started off the show this morning with someone from my era was recently told that this was Little Turk's one of Little Turk's favorite albums. Marvin Gaye. No, I don't own the rights to this music, Facebook, but I got to do this for my brothers. Little Turk and Donut. Spend it all. I have not. 
You know, we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. Welcome to the show. I promise I'm not going to cry today. I'm not going to cry today. <laughs> I'm just not. Man. Whew. Welcome back to the weekly sports magazine, Magazine, the show dedicated to Lil Turk and Donut. Last hour, I gave you some stories of both of my friends. Especially Donut. Little Turk was a little older now. All I could do was poke fun at him, make make him chase us. I had, we had this thing about making older guys chase us. <laughs> but he was so intricately involved in my life, man. He loved Little Rock Central. I know when we played, he was all he was there at every game, every home game. Come on, DC. Get it going. Then of course. Richard playing on the defensive line with me. It's been a tough week, my brothers and sisters. It's been a tough week, but we're going to get through this, and we're going to be stronger together. We have to be for ourselves, not for anyone else, but for ourselves. We're going to get through this. So this hour, I want to talk a little bit about Mike Leach. And then I also want to talk a little bit about the importance of your black children playing football for these colleges and how much money that they make. Okay. And why it's important for us now to understand, based on what has happened with COVID-19, how we value our children and make sure that their value is being taken care of by these colleges. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But, hey, Greg, what's up, man? I was just talking about you and Donut, man. Thanks for joining the show. Greg Thomas, quarterback for the Razorbacks back in the day. See, I I started thinking about Donut again. (laughs) Golly. Whew. Man, this is hard. But, okay. So, We talked a little bit about Mike Leach the other day. I mean, a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, at one point, everybody's talking about how how great of a coach Mike Leach is. And if you look at Mike Leach, he certainly puts up offensive numbers, but he is not a great coach because to me – and, you know, that that adjective is something that I think we throw around too often because if you don't win anything – can greatness greatness really be applied to your name? See, I was talking about Donut because Donut was a winner. I can apply greatness to Donut Richardson. But I don't know when people were talking about Mike Leach as they have over the last few years, they always talk about how great of an offensive mind he is. Well, Mike Leach is one of those coaches who's only concerned about offense, somewhat like um, – Bobby Petrino, I don't give a damn about defense. Let's just outscore them. Forgetting a great coach to me is a coach 
that understands all aspects of the game. There are three important aspects of a football game, offense, defense, and special teams. And if you're not putting energy in all three of those, oftentimes you are not going to win the games you need to be great. And Mike Leach was, is just that case, is that he only concerned himself about offense, and Mike Leach ended up not being, to me, a great coach. He has an excellent offensive mind, but to be a great coach, you have to be able to do all three aspects, a la Bill Belichick. You know, people talk about Tom Brady, but a lot of people forget that there were times when that, that New England Patriot defense was, was the, the shizzle. There were times when that defense, well, let me give you an example. When Seattle was going in to win another Super Bowl, was it the defense or was that Tom Brady? You see what I'm saying? Belichick understands that you have to have all aspects to be a great coach, and that's why he is considered a great coach. How good is Alabama? Now, I know people say, well, man, that's opposite of orange. You're comparing pros to college. Well, let me give you another one. How good is Alabama about without their defense? We saw that this past season where Alabama's defense really wasn't that defense that really was the big had those big names and was making those big plays. Now, they had some talent. But over the years, Alabama's defense was to be reckoned with. So they suffered this year. So Mike Leach being a great coach, that adjective doesn't apply. And to be a great coach, you have to be a great coach on and off the field. And to be a man of his age and not be aware of some of the idiosyncrasies that affect your players, especially your black players, either you're tone deaf, arrogant, or you simply don't give a damn. And I think Mike Leach is that person. And by the way, the Arkansas Razorbacks, many fans was clamoring for a Mike Leach. And I was hoping that they didn't do that. I'm not happy with the guy they got now. But I'll be honest with you, based on character, he's sure as hell better than a Mike Leach. I don't care if he hadn't ran an offense. I don't care if he doesn't put up the numbers that Mike Leach's offense have. He's, as a man, as a coach, the current Razorback coach is better than Mike Leach. He's better than Mike Leach. Okay? So, let me read this story dated August 8th. Mississippi State University football player Fabian Lovett announced that he was transferring after the team's new head coach, Mike Leach, posted a photo featuring a hangman's noose. Now, let me ask you a question. 
just by reading that part, did you hear what I said? The head coach of an SEC school posted a picture of a hangman's noose. Here's what Fabian Lovett said. I haven't entered the I have entered the transfer portal with three years left of eligibility. Lovett is a defensive tackle. The photo posted last week depicts an elderly woman holding knitting sticks with the caption, after two weeks of quarantine with her husband, Gertrude decided to knit him a scarf. The woman, however, wasn't knitting a scarf, but rather a hangman's noose. Many in the university community expressed disapproval. Lynching jokes are incredibly offensive anywhere, but especially in Mississippi, said Margaret Hagerman, an associate professor of psychology. In addition to deleting the tweet, she recommended that Leach visit the Memorial of Peace and Justice to learn more about this brutal history. Mike Leach don't need to visit that memorial. Mike Leach already knows about that brutal history. Let me just do this. See, I'm not, I'm not, I told you all a long time ago on my other show that I'm not one of those people who's willing to let racists apologize and get away with their racism. I'm just not going to do it anymore. Now, you can do it. I'm not doing that. Sorry. Okay? I'm simply not going to do that. So I want to do this. Mike Leach was born March 9th, 1961. So he's the same age as I am. He's 59 years old. So if you're going to tell me that Mike Leach is not aware of the implications of posting a noose, then I'm going to call you a lie. No, I'm not going to call you a lie. I'm going to call you a damn lie. He knew exactly what he was posting. And if I had my druthers, Mike Leach should be fired because it, it, as, as that associate professor said, it is more damning when you do it in Mississippi where Mississippi has the reputation to have hung more black people than any, one, any other state. And you do it in Mississippi and you coaching black players. He don't need no damn listening session. I'm looking at these articles. Mike Leach set for listening sessions after tweeting image of a noose. He don't need a listening session. He needs to be fired. He doesn't care. He's a bigot. They don't care. He thinks he's so good that I can get away with anything. They ain't going to fire me. Let me continue this article. Senior linebacker Earl Thomas, who was last year's team captain, retweeted Hagerman's response and Leach's initial photo with the questioning emoji. Leach has apologized for this, the offensive tweet. Now listen to this apology. 
I sincerely regret. Now, here's where you can always tell whether or not their apologies are serious. Because there's a two-letter word that anytime this word, this word appears in an apology, then you know that apology is full of crap. I sincerely regret if that word, there it is, if. I sincerely regret if my choice of images in my tweet were found offensive. I had no intentions of offending anyone. But you just said, if. <laughs> that means, well, maybe it, maybe it offended you, maybe it didn't. But if it did, if you're one of those people that has a history of your family and your relatives being lynched, I apologize. But if you're one of those people who are for lynching, y'all cool with me. Y'all get this, right? So anytime someone makes an apology and they use that preposition if, that's not an apology. There's no if to this, Mike Leach. Of course it's offensive. There's no if someone, if their choice of image was found offensive. We, it was found offensive. There's no if in this. You are head coach. You are a leader of men. You know, and particularly black men, you know the choice of image was offensive. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. I had no intention of offending anyone. But see, some of y'all already you know, accepted his little weak-ass apology. And, oh, Dave, let's move on. But see, I judge a man by his history. On February 6th, Mike Leach wrote a threatening criticize, a thread criticizing Mitt Romney hours after he was the only Republican senator to vote against President Donald Trump in his impeachment trial. Here's what Leach said. I talked about this on the show when this happened. As an American, does anyone really want Mitt Romney on their side? Leach asked in the deleted tweet. Those that believe in the competency of Mitt Romney, what do you trust him to do? Now, see, the one thing about coaches, and they'll tell you, you got to be apolitical, dude. You ain't got time to be sticking your nose out there and that stuff. You rarely hear a coach expose his political viewpoint. But I'm going to tell you, Mike Leach has exposed his. If he's a pro-Trump advocate, then he's anti-black. But he needs them little black players to play on his team. If I were the black players on his team, I would leave Mississippi State. I would boycott that school because Mike Leach is a bigot. He's proven that now. And I sure as hell would not allow my child to play for this guy. 
In a statement Tuesday, Mississippi State Athletic Director John Cohen said that there was a plan in place to provide Leaf with the Leach with the opportunity to expand his cultural awareness of Mississippi. See, the reason this is so stupid is you all do realize that Mike Leach, although recent stint was at Washington State, and a lot of people don't realize the history of Washington and its racism, but prior to that, he coached at Texas Tech. That means I would argue that he probably recruited out of Mississippi. So to pretend as though Mike Leach doesn't know the cultural history of Mississippi and the egregious things that the South did to black people, including Texas, where he coached Texas Tech, is an insult to every black person on this planet. But here is Mississippi State, the athletic director trying to Well, we're going to give him cultural awareness. No, he already has cultural awareness. He has exposed himself to what he stands for, and that's bigotry and racism. Cohen added that the Bulldogs coach will will participate in listening sessions with students and alumni, and once it is allowed, visit the the Museum of Mississippi History and Mississippi Civil Rights Museums. What is that going to do? I'm just asking for a friend. I'm asking for all those black players who are afraid to say anything. What will that do? I'm trying to think, man. I've had a lot of coaches in my life. There are a lot of people on my on my feed right now who play sports. Do you know what your coach's political persuasion was? I can't remember one. So for a coach to be leading with his bigotry and racism, that doesn't bode well. He should be fired. More from the university. The university is confident that Coach Leach is moving quickly and sincerely past his unintended misstep. Huh? Unintended misstep? No! He knew exactly what he was doing when he hit send on that button. And will provide leadership for our student athletes and excitement for football, for our football program, and our fans deserve that our students and alumni will be proud to support. While Lovett did not say his direction to enter the transfer portal was related to the controversial tweet, his father, Abdul Lovett, told the Clarion Ledger newspaper of Jackson that he wasn't comfortable with his son playing for Leach. With a guy like that, from a leadership standpoint. Hello? At least Fabian Lovett's dad understands that my child is not going to play for that bigot. Fabian also retweeted, retweeted the criticism of Leach by former NFL star Shannon Sharp. Given the history of Emmett Till and the lynchings in the state of Mississippi, Mike Leach, as the head coach of Mississippi State, you seriously thought it would be cool to post a picture that had a noose in it? The question that we have to ask now 
is why would you send your child to Mississippi State? Why would you send your black child to Mississippi State? Let me give you an example. By the way, the Arkansas Razorbacks was recruiting this guy. They wanted him as their next coach before they, they settled on Pittman. But you know why it's so tough for Razorbacks, the Razorbacks to get fans, to get players? You know why? It's because there are certain parts of Arkansas. In fact, I was talking to a friend the other day. Oh, it was the it was the fire chief of Little Rock. And he talked about when he drove up through northwest Arkansas and he saw that sign that says this is a white only whatever it said. It was fascinating to watch how it shocked him. So if I'm a recruiter and I got a kid and I say, hey, one of the schools that he's thinking about is Arkansas. And I know for a fact this has happened. That kid's parent was made aware of that sign. I believe it's in Harrison, Arkansas. And that recruiter told that mom, see, ma'am, you don't want this child going to Arkansas. The racism and the bigotry up there in northwest Arkansas is ridiculous. The kid ended up signing somewhere else. Now, you may not think they use that. I'm going to tell you, I've told you that over and over again on this show. The recruiting recruiting is a dirty, low-down business. These recruiters will say anything, and they will say, they will say anything to parents, and they will say anything to these kids to get that kid on campus. And all my friends that are athletes that are watching this show today, they will tell you that if they've ever been recruited. It don't matter what college. It don't, it don't matter the size of the college. I went to little old bitty Southern Arkansas University and was lied to. In fact, a lot of us was lied to. I remember conversations that we had in the dorms when we got there as freshmen, and we said, man, and I'm going to say it, Coach Goodwin lied to us. And then Coach Goodwin not only lied to us, after one year, Coach Goodwin took another job somewhere else. Hello? That was little old bitty Southern Arkansas University. Now imagine what they do in these big power five universities. They lie. So a recruiter is going to lie and tell all ty types of stories about Harrison, Arkansas, and how racist and bigot bigoted it is. They're going to use that against Arkansas. And if I'm a recruiter and I'm going up against Mississippi State and I got a black parent, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show those tweets to the black parent. And I'm going to ask that black parent, do you really, really, really want your child to go to Mississippi State and play under this bigot? <laughs> I wouldn't. There is no way that I'm sending my child to Mississippi State to play for Mike Leach. It's just not going to happen. And I'm going to tell you like this. If I know of a recruit, this is me personally, David W. Coleman. If I know of a recruit that wants to go to Mississippi State, and if I get a chance to meet his parents or her parents, 
I'm going to point that out. I'm going to point that out. Ma'am, do you really want your child to go to Mississippi State? They got a head coach down there that's a bigot. My son had an opportunity to go to uh, Ole Miss to get a scholarship at Ole Miss. I nixed that. No, son, you ain't going to Mississippi. Pick pick somewhere else other than Mississippi. You're not going to Ole Miss. In fact, right now, I wouldn't send my kid to a – to any state that that brandishes the Confederate flag as their state symbol. So Mike Leach will fit right in at Mississippi State for the bigots and the races. But if I'm those football players, and if I'm parents, I'd love for the whole damn team to enter the, the, the transfer portal. Get out of there. Don't play for this guy. I don't care. Look. I don't care what type of background he has as a coach. I don't care what type of offensive mind he has as a coach. What you know, coaches like to say that I'm a I like to build men. I'm a leader. I have I'm a leader of men and in leading men, I try to build them to make them better than what they are. How the hell can you tell me a bigot's going to build a black kid? That's what Mike Leach is. That's what Mike Leach is. And I don't want him anywhere near my young son. There are a whole lot of other schools where he can go to and... We may not know what the coach is thinking, but at least he ain't putting it on paper. Where we where he makes it aware, makes us aware of what he's thinking. Mike Leach needs to go. 855-525-5683 is the number. That's how you get in touch with me. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get into this coronavirus and March Madness and the money that we're losing and how does your young athlete play into this for the first time we already knew if you listen to this show but if it isn't obvious to you that that players ought to be paid it will be when I return you're listening to the Weekly Sports Magazine. I'm Dynamic Dave on joinedradio.com. The show today is dedicated to two of my dear friends, Donut and Lil Turk. Love you, my brothers. The law offices of James F. Swindoll provides our clients the personal care and attention that larger law firms cannot offer. Our experienced attorneys have brought hundreds of cases to verdict in state and federal court and recovered millions for our clients. If you or a loved one have been injured or have property wrongfully damaged, we may be able to help. Do not hesitate to contact our firm anytime for a free attorney consultation. Call one 
1-800-848-1290. That's 1-800-848-1290. Or email inquiries at arkansas-personal-injury.com. Our law offices are centrally located at 212 Center Street in Little Rock. That's the law offices of James F. Swindoll. Personal injury and products liability attorneys serving Arkansas since 1977. Hello to quality time at Marco's. Hello to the best part of the day and to making someone else's. Say hello to late nights and to the best night ever. These are the primo moments, and they call for Italian quality pizza. Dough made from scratch every day. Sauce with a history in the making from the original Giamarco recipe. Say hello to an authentic favorite. Every store, every day, the Italian way. Hello, primo. Hey fans, are you looking for the best chicken wings in the city? Then look no further than Great American Wings, located at 3230 Colonel Glen Road in Little Rock. Getting ready for the big game? It's Great American Wings. Getting ready for dinner for the family? It's Great American Wings. Lunch, dinner, or snacks? It's Great American Wings. No matter the size of your group or the flavor of your wings, Great American Wings got you covered. Call today at 501-406-7134 to place your order. Are you on a tight schedule and don't have time to stop by Great American wings don't fret call us up and we'll deliver your favorite flavors right to your front door that's why we're called great american wings because we aim to please don't miss out on the best wings in the city it's great american wings located at 3230 Colonel glenn road right here in little rock open daily from 10 a.m to 9 p.m great american wings is guaranteed to offer you something that'll tickle your taste buds you've tried the rest now try the best it's great american wings I'm Rizal Aaron. We invite you to join us for the Power of Justice broadcast every Tuesday and Thursday from 11 a.m. till 12 noon right here at JoyNet Radio Studios where we talk about issues concerning civil rights, human rights, social justice, and all of the areas that impact civil rights and human rights in Arkansas but also across the country. Tell a neighbor, tell a friend every Tuesday and Thursday right here at JoyNet Radio, beautiful downtown Little Rock. Yeah, we jamming Marvin Gaye this morning. That's dedicated to Lil Turk and Donut. For mercy, Father. Lil Turk and Donut. No, I don't own the rights to this music. 
But I got to donate this to my friends. And by the way, if you want to catch the dedication that we did the first hour to both of them, uh, there will be there will be the podcast that you can download. It will be posted right after the show. So, And I will post a link to the podcast on my Facebook wall so you can catch the show and hear and play back my comments about Richard and those guys. Okay? Now, for the rest of the show, I'm going to talk a little bit about March Madness. Okay? Because I think it's important for us to address some issues here. And I know a lot of people don't want to talk about this. Let me just do a quick search. Uh, Let's see here. I'm just doing a quick search. And my search... I'm just trying to look at the latest one. I'm trying to see how much money is lost during March Madness. Okay. So I'm looking at a um an article. So that's not now think about this. The productivity of money that's lost let me see if this is a better one. Was 13.8 billion dollars they project. Now what that is is people who don't work, they call in sick, they get vasectomies because of March 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 madness. But here's a better article. It says amount of money lost from NCAA tournament cancellation is staggering. Hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue are gone, and participating schools miss out on receiving some of those profits. Now, this story was published March 18th, 2020. And the reason that I'm bringing this up is because I'm, I'm about to show you why these kids ought to be paid. I've made all kinds of proof. I've given you all kinds of proof over the years why these kids should be paid. But the cancellation of March Madness is unequivocally pointing out to us why it is important that these kids ought to be paid. Tuesday night was supposed to be the start of one of the – and by the way, this past Monday night, we would be crowning a Final Four champion. We would know that champion. I would be talking about that game today on the show had the had had the seat had the uh, tournament not been canceled. Now this article was written again, like I said, on March 18th, the week that it was canceled. Tuesday night was supposed to be the start of one of the biggest sporting events of the year, March Madness. The full first round of games was originally planned to tip off Thursday, but. With things now canceled because of the corona pandemic, a lot of money is going to disappear from the loss of the tournament. The average amount of money CBS and Turner Broadcasting pay the NCAA annually to broadcast the men's basketball tournament is $771 million. Want to know how much national ad revenue 
the networks scoop up to cover that cost? As recently as 2018, the networks got $1.3 billion. It's not like the NCAA wanted to cancel the cash cow, though. NCAA Senior Vice President of Basketball, David Gavitt, said on CBS just a couple of weeks ago that all was good to go. At this time, we are definitely planning on running the tournament in all 14 sites with fans from the first four in Dayton and the final four in Atlanta. The statement was just a few days before a host of sports leagues canceled or suspended their games. Specifically, $933 million in revenue won't be made. That money came from media rights, fees, ticket sales, corporate sponsorships, and TV ads. Additionally, the NCAA misses out on passing those profits to the sports conferences participating in the big dance, which then would be given to their member schools. The, fur, the further a team went in the tournament, the more money each school would have received. This was also going to be the first NCAA tournament with legalized gambling. Before the outbreak, the American Gaming Association estimated nearly $8.5 billion would have been bet on the games this year. Overall, this is one piece of what's a massive economic loss for a lot of industries. So, did you hear those numbers? $8.5 billion wagered. $933 million in revenue. $1.32 billion in ad cost. $771 million in broadcast rights that's being paid to the NCAA. And there's not one dime going to players. You see, over the last couple of weeks, I've been tuning my ear to those, and it's been amazing how quiet the NCAA has been and how quiet many of these athletic directors have been. In fact, none of these, I, I would love for an enterprising reporter, sports reporter, to ask the University of Arkansas how much money did they actually lose when those players didn't play. Not to say that the Razorbacks were going to get in the tournament anyway. Better still ask the SEC athletic director. Thank you, David. Ask him, how much money did the SEC lose because the tournament was not played? I would love for a reporter to do that because, see, if you do that, then you begin to understand just how much money these players have been generating for years. Give you another example. One of my favorite games to go to over the years was Tennessee State against um, Jackson State. 
the Southern Heritage Classic in Memphis. Since they've also been having what is called the John Merritt Classic in Nashville, Tennessee State is set to lose if those games are not played $1.5 million. For a school like Tennessee State, that's a huge chunk. Think about how many times the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff went and played a, an opponent where they were overmatched. But they did because those players were going to generate money for the school. And then that money is going to go back to the school. And that money doesn't go to the athletic budget. That goes into the general fund of that school. Yeah, the athletes, the athletic budget gets some of it. But it goes to build a new wing or it goes to pay a salary. It goes to to build a new science lab. It goes to pave the parking lot. It goes to build a Greek theater. It goes to any any capital improvement that the president of that school sees fit. Did you notice something that was missing in what I said it goes to? No, it doesn't go to players. And I know what you're saying. You say, well, wait a minute, Dave. Those players, they get to play in these beautiful stadiums, these beautiful uniforms. They get to travel. They get to do things that they probably wouldn't have got a chance to do if they didn't play sports. In some respect, you're right. But the reason that they are able to do that is because the money that they're generating. Hello? And by the way, when when the fair comes around, you know what they have? They have a livestock show. And I promise you, if you go back and track that livestock, that livestock was fed the best meals. Grain-fed cow. He was kept in the best environments. That was the prize hog. Got to take care of him. Give him good feed. Because we got to fatten him up for the slaughter. We got to win that blue ribbon at the fair. What's the difference? Feeding the hog good or the cow good feeding them good and treating them right so that they will represent in front of the judges at the state fair so you can get that blue ribbon. What's the difference in setting up nice facilities and feeding these athletes, treating them good? Because you want them to be able to be presentable on Saturdays so that they can go out there and play their best. In other words, you're doing nothing but treating them like animals. You don't really care about them as a person. See, the irony about my friend Donut dying is that, you know, and I understand that the governor called Sharon, his sister. Understand that happened yesterday. But here's the problem. The governor didn't see Donut as a person because had the governor seen Donut as a person, yeah, he cheered for Donut back in the day. Razorback Donut, woo! Yeah, great player. 
But he didn't see him as a person because he refused to shut down this state. Because if he shut down this state, Donut's not dead. It takes 14 days for this virus to incubate. If he shuts down the state of Arkansas, Donut doesn't catch this virus in all likelihood, and Donut's not dead. But see, Asa Hutchison, as many fans, didn't see Donut as a person. He saw him as an athlete. You said, well, isn't an athlete a person? Yeah, but when you look at these guys, you don't view them as people. We see that all the time. They're athletes. When can they get back on the field? Why didn't they do this? You know, I remember, I remember when the Titans first came to Nashville. And they were playing, and one of the Titans' relatives got, in, got into it with a fan. And the reason that occurred is because that fan was dogging out her husband. And her husband, she was sitting in the stands right in front of this fan with this man's children. Now, what's my point? Is that this man didn't see these, this athlete, this professional athlete, as a parent. All he saw was an athlete that wasn't, in his eyes, getting the job done. So he felt like that it was okay for him to cuss and dog cuss this athlete, unbeknownst to him that his wife, this athlete's wife, was sitting right in front of him. Because they don't see athletes as people. They only see them as athletes. There's a difference. Because if you saw them as people, then you would understand my argument as to why these kids need to be paid. Those numbers that I just read to you, those that money is generated off the backs of mainly young black children. Did you not hear those numbers? Did you not hear those? Let me let me let me give it to you again. Because after today, after this pandemic is over, the, the conversation that we need to be having with the NCAA is when you gonna pay our children. Listen to this. The average amount of money CBS and Turner Broadcasting pays the NCAA annually. That means every year is $771 million for just the basketball tournament. I'm not even talking about football. Okay? As recently as 2018, $1.3 billion was the national ad revenue. In other words, the NCAA, those, those broadcasting companies, pay the NCAA $771 million. And then they turn around and, and sell the advertising spots, and they get revenue of $1.3 billion. Do you hear that? There's more. Specifically, $933 million in revenue was lost because of just this cancellation. 
and money that would have been made by the American Gaming Association was $8.5 billion. That's just basketball. And I've been hearing some of these athletic directors complain about how much money is going to be lost. Poor af- These poor schools. All this money that's going to be lost. You tell me you can't pay these kids? This pandemic has opened up something that the NCAA doesn't want to talk about. This pandemic is pointing out to us. This is, I mean, I've over the years, I've given you plenty of evidence as to why these kids need to be paid. I've talked about how the restaurants, think about it. Are, are hurting when these games don't play. I heard someone talking about it last week. Now think about these small time towns that depend on football. They're worried that football might be canceled. There are these towns that and businesses that live every year just to get six, seven, eight home games because that is part of their economy. That's where they make the bulk of their money. That may not happen this year. There may not be high school or college. If we're listening to the professionals, there probably won't be. Think about this. All of this money being generated by these young black athletes, and they're not getting a penny. If we don't understand anything else about what has happened with this pandemic and how it has affected multiple streams of income, let us understand that after this, we make a determination that our young black males and and players, period, need to be paid. Now, don't come to me with that tired old argument that, oh, but what about the women? Now, you're going to think I'm sexist when I say this. How much money are the women earning? In fact, I would argue to you that part of the reason that they are able to have women's teams, depending on whatever the sport is, is because of that $771 million that those male players earn. So when you make the argument that, oh, well, the women ought to be paid the same as men, no, that's ridiculous. In fact, if you're playing volleyball, if you're playing golf, if you're playing tennis, I would argue that you're already being paid because those scholarships would not exist if it weren't for those men. That's just brass facts. I'm not being sexist. So you're telling me that I'm out here earning earning the money and you should get paid as much as I do and you're not? And you're already benefiting from the some of the earnings that I'm making by being able to go to school free? No. That dog don't hunt. So let's not use that argument. 
The bottom line is that if you are a football or basketball player in the NCAA, you need to get paid. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. All right, folks, we're going to wrap up the show. I hope you enjoyed the show. Really had a good time doing the show today. We're closing out with a little Marvin Gaye this morning, dedicated to my good friend Lil Turk and Richard Donut. If you want to hear what I had to say about both of them in the first hour and you missed it, make sure you go out and to the podcast, and I'll, I'll post it here in just a moment. And you can fast forward and rewind and listen to all the things that we talked about. Okay? Coming up here in a little bit, we've got my good buddy. He's back in the hizzy. His name is David Ashley. Real talk, real money. Glad to see him looking good. Thank you, sir. Good you know. So we'll talk to him in just a moment. But I appreciate you joining the show. And again, to my dear friend and family of Richard Donut Richardson, we got you. And then to my dear friend Kenneth Muntz, whose brother we lost last night, Lil Turk. We got you. We all family, man. Anything you need, you know you can call me. I love I love both you, Sharon and Zora. I love you, Kenneth. We got too much time in the hopper with our family. And when you lose, we lose. And we've lost two great, great men within the last three days. And I just wanted to take some time this morning. And guess what? I did it. I got through the show and I didn't cry. So I'm healing. I'm healing. I haven't healed yet, and I will not fully heal from the loss of these two guys, my two friends. But I'm healing, and you will too. I wish you peace. I wish you love. Just remember, my brothers and sisters, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but in times of challenge. This is our challenge, and we will stand tall. Y'all have a great day. page with dynamic david coleman on dice rights ice cream alert 654 jose okay or nothing tune in every saturday morning from 9 to 10 96 double 96 double oh what a player what a player until next week hey have you heard of COVID 19 yeah 